It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Now on the news hour, back with a bang. The sights, the sounds. To see the beauty that there is in Chinatown and the culture. And the notable faces bringing in Lunar New Year in Vancouver. These celebrations will be tinged with uh, sadness uh, and support for uh, the community in, uh, in California. As tragedy and terror strike south of the border. Plus. You never know if it's the end. Bye-bye, Bruce. Yeah, and he's taking it in right now. Thanking the fans. The Vancouver Canucks head coach fired by the franchise in what many call an offside ouster. And this market is imperative. And that's the only word I can use to describe it to this community. A Fraser Valley fan favorite forced out, but not because of money. The contract conundrum for a long time local flea market. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us and happy Lunar New Year. What a celebration it was in Vancouver's Chinatown today. After a two year pandemic pause, the parade and festivities returned in a big way. As Grace Key reports, the Prime Minister and other high level politicians were among the crowd, welcoming the year of the rabbit. After a two-year hiatus due to COVID, the 48th annual Chinatown Spring Festival Parade is back in Vancouver. It's amazing. It's been uh, it's been a long time since 2019 that we've been able to continue this uh, important uh, festival with with our with our community. So, Van City, we're so happy to be here. Tens of thousands of people line the streets of Chinatown to help ring in the Year of the Rabbit, symbolizing a gentle and clever animal, but also quick and charming. It's good. What's in there? Barbecue potassio. Potassio pork. For families, it was a time to introduce their children to Chinese culture and history. We haven't been to one of these in years, so yeah, just fantastic to have the children exposed to this and see what's going on and yeah, their culture and everything. Just to, to see the beauty that there is in Chinatown and the culture that they can experience, the food, the music, the people. Happy New Year. Earlier at the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Classical Chinese Garden, local leaders gathered before the parade, all hoping the new year will bring prosperity for Chinatown. I am uh, uh, working closely with the leaders in Chinatown, with uh, leaders and community members in the downtown east side. Uh, and, uh, and my hope is that this parade today is the beginning of uh, spring uh, for the downtown east side and for Chinatown. Please keep coming down to Chinatown. It's a great place and it's part not only of Chinese uh, history and culture, it's Canadian history and culture. And so come down and enjoy it. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau also arrived for the parade. It's a pleasure to be here in Vancouver, back for the, one of the first uh, in-person Chinatown uh, Lunar New Year parades in a long while. It's going to be a nice moment for everyone to gather. Bye. 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 
Everyone here hoping the year of the rabbit will bring peace and prosperity. Grace Key, Global News. And today's Chinatown parade and the massive crowd it garnered brought with it an economic boost to a neighborhood that has struggled with crime and decay in recent years. Kristen Robinson now on the cautious optimism of some business owners with a new year and a new city council. Susanna Ng and her staff at Newtown Bakery run off their feet. The return of the Lunar New Year parade means a packed house and long lineups to get one of these sought-after steam buns. Finally, finally, because we're so desperate, you know, when I see everybody moving out, you know, when is my turn? People are excited to come back to Chinatown. After three years of COVID and an increase in anti-Asian hate crimes, street disorder and graffiti, community leaders and businesses in Chinatown are hopeful these crowds will help bring visitors back. It's been really tough. And finally, we are seeing a sign of hope. It's a year of rabbit, so we are hoping it's a, it's a good year for everybody. I'm optimistic. I'm, 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 I want to be part of it. And hopefully, people just come down here on a daily basis. I think now we're seeing this big quantum shift that's taking place, that's seeing funds being directed, resources being directed, awareness, and hopefully we can start doing an important pivot for Chinatown. Vancouver has approved a $2.2 million Chinatown action plan to help revitalize the area with a focus on cleaning and sanitation. It makes me happy that people, you know, remember what Chinatown was like and what it can become. Gym owner Ryan Diaz recently poured his heart out to council. It's just so hard because it feels like you've forgotten about us. Detailing how difficult it was to follow his dream through the pandemic. During COVID, there was bills coming and we weren't open. My mom put up her house for sale to help us keep going. This Lunar New Year, Lion Dancers stopped by his business, bringing good luck. Good fortune for a longer time. While Ng is hoping COVID will leave us forever in 2023. If things, you know, you know, uh, get better, you know, I don't mind to, to stay, you know. My heart is in Chinatown, you know, for almost five decades. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Of course, uh, these celebrations will be tinged with uh, sadness uh, and support for uh, the community in, uh, in California that is reeling right now after the uh, horrific news uh, coming out uh, last night in uh, Monterey Park. And south of the border this weekend in California, Lunar New Year celebrations have been marred by tragedy. After a mass shooting at a ballroom dance studio in Monterey Park last night left at least 10 people dead, and 10 more wounded. Monterey Park's population is 65% Asian American. The suspected lone shooter is also dead. We will have full details on this still developing story coming up later in the show. Well, it was a tenuous employment situation, towards the end at least, that played out very publicly. And today, the speculation surrounding Bruce Boudreau and his tenure as head coach with the Vancouver Canucks finally came to an end when the franchise cut him loose. JT Miller and the Canucks have life. And the boost, there it is, chance. Not before the fans had a chance to show their appreciation, though. In Boudreaux's final game behind the bench last night, he grew visibly emotional amid the unmistakable chance of Bruce, there it is. As expected, it would be Boudreaux's last game with the team, the franchise confirming the firings that many had predicted earlier today. Boudreaux and assistant coach Trent Call 
are out. Perhaps no surprise, our Barry DeLay joins us now with some context yeah. uh, surrounding this. Uh, it really took nobody by surprise today. Yeah. But an apology of sorts uh, from Canucks president Jim Rutherford mm -hmm. yeah. did. Yeah, well, yeah. first of all, the worst kept secret mm -hmm. in, in sports yeah. for the last couple of weeks. And I think that's what got the fan base that really affected them. It's just the way Bruce was left dangling for weeks. Everyone knew it was going to happen, including him. He was very emotional at uh, media availability that I was at the last couple of weeks. And you felt for this guy. Why was it handled that way? And that was the first thing, the first question asked today for Jim Rutherford is apologize, please. And he did. Unfortunately, it's uh, turned out the way it did. Nobody takes great pride in this. I've known Bruce for a long time, he's been a friend, and I feel very bad about it. And if I've offended anybody in the process, I apologize personally on behalf of the Canucks. I believe uh, Tockett was the right fit here uh, for this group right now and moving forward here. Uh, his ability to uh, communicate, to relate to the players, his ability to implement structure, accountability, and practice habits. And the biggest thing we'd talk when we start talking here was uh, he asked me if this was a quick fix. And uh, for me, it's not a quick fix. Where we are, uh, it's a lot of work uh, that needs to be done here. Um, and everything starting how we prepared and how detailed we are in our practice. You guys, you guys see it? I mean, PK is like, what is it, 30? I don't even know, is it 32 or something? And the goals against, that's something that we're going to, we have to tackle. You can't win this game if you're going to be at the bottom of those categories. And with, with that, there is structure. There is some hard rules uh, to keep the puck out of your net. Uh, without sacrificing offense, don't get me wrong, but, you know, uh, that's one thing we all know that's got to improve around here. Hmm. Tough act to follow. As you've said, Boudreaux is a really likable guy. He's yeah. a sympathetic character. I think a lot of people, whether they appreciate hockey or not, also sympathized yeah. with his situation yeah. for the past yeah. few years. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he was a little more real than a typical mm -hmm. pro coach as far as letting people in about how he felt. So, I mean, the, the thing is, though, this is the third head coach in 14 months for mm -hmm. the Canucks. Is it the coaching? Maybe not. Maybe it's the right. players. So that's maybe more on management to bring the right people in. And Rick Tockett is obviously going to, uh, you know, have his work cut out for him, as you said. And he's uh, a little more of a taskmaster, a lot like Travis Green. They're good friends. Uh, the last mm -hmm. uh, coach who was here before Boudreaux. So Squire is going to delve into what we can expect from Rick Tockett, whose uh, win percent is not nearly as good as Boudreaux's. It's actually he's lost a lot more than he's won as a head coach success as an assistant coach, but that's coming up later in sports. Okay, Barry, thanks, and we'll see you soon. All right. In the Fraser Valley now, four young men are recovering from gunshot wounds tonight in the wake of what police describe as a targeted shooting in Abbotsford. Remarkably, all of them are expected to survive, but as Kamal Kermali reports, whoever pulled the trigger is still at large. The shooting took place along a gravel stretch next to a rural road here in Abbotsford Saturday night. This sparsely populated area of West Abbotsford consists mostly of farms, but the shooting itself took place right next to an elementary school. Abbotsford police say they got the call for shots fired around 745 Saturday night along King and Bradner roads just west of the Abbotsford airport and only a couple of kilometers north 
north of the U.S. border. Officers arrived to find four men, all in their 20s, suffering from injuries. Now, whether they were gunshot wounds or other kinds of injuries, officers would not say, only that the men were sent to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The scene closed off for hours Saturday night. Multiple evidence markers could be seen placed along the gravel stretch to the side of King Road while police continued their investigation over the weekend. What they've been able to determine so far, though, is that this is not a random incident and that the attack was targeted. No suspect. We don't know how many suspects there are, if there's only one or several suspects. Uh, none has been identified yet, uh, but we believe this incident to be targeted and not random. We're uh, currently working on seeing if this incident is gang related. Now, residents who live in this area who did not want to appear on camera told Global News they did not hear any gunshots and that this area usually doesn't see any mass gatherings or parties of any sorts, adding to the mystery of what these men were doing here when the violence erupted. And police are now asking anyone with any dash cam video or any footage to come forward and talk to police. Kamal Karamali, Global News in Abbotsford. Well, it's no secret it is expensive to live in this province, but for many people, buying or renting is becoming increasingly out of reach in major cities. That includes in the Okanagan, where the cost of living in Kelowna seems to be skyrocketing. Victoria Famia reports. Is it too expensive to live in Kelowna? Kelowna's crazy expensive. Yeah, I totally think it is very expensive here. Especially for students, because I'm taking my graduate studies at UBCO right now, and it's a lot for students. According to a report to City Council, Kelowna is Canada's fastest growing metropolitan area. However, the city is struggling with housing affordability, and the price to buy or rent a home is only rising. I think it's pretty ridiculous for the size of the city and the infrastructure it has, so yeah, I personally have also noticed like when I moved from Vancouver I was just like I expected it to be a lot more cheaper but it was not. And I lived for two years like out of my parents house then I just had to move back in last year because rent got too expensive. So it's like even for me as someone who's like born and raised here I have to still choose to like live with my parents because I can't afford to live on my own. In 2022, the monthly mortgage cost for the average detached home sold in Kelowna was more than $6,000. And the average cost of a condo sold in the same year was close to $3,000 a month. For comparison, the average Kelowna household earned just over $105,000 in 2020. And according to the report, this means at this level, monthly mortgage costs alone for a condo would eat up 41% of their after-tax income. For an average family, that is prohibitive. How do you uh, pay for a roof over your head? I think that the prices, like me being a millennial and um, trying to buy a house is almost next to impossible right now. It's unfortunate and um, even if people have been saving for multiple years, it's uh, still unattainable. And if you're thinking of renting, that offers little relief. Kelowna has been rated the fifth most expensive city to rent in across the country. In Kelowna, a one-bedroom apartment goes for close to $2,000 a month and a two-bedroom is an average of about $2,500 a month. And with a growing population, the city is trying to keep up with demand of those looking to rent. We approve hundreds of rental units almost weekly to try and uh, make rental more affordable for people, more accessible for people. But somehow, just skipping along, trying to keep up with the demand is, is tough.
The city is working with all levels of government to address the issue of housing affordability, and council is expected to review this report on Monday to discuss what steps to take moving forward. Victoria Femia, Global News, Kelowna. Next on the news hour, bidding farewell to a Fraser Valley fan favorite. They up my rent, which is not an issue for me. The rent is not an issue at all. The beloved local flea market forced out of its longtime location, but not because of money. Plus, the fight to save Folk Fest, the grassroots campaign to save a beloved grassroots festival, bound for the chopping block. That's after the break. Stay with us. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Well, it's been a weekend mainstay in the Fraser Valley for decades, but a fan favorite flea market in Chilliwack is set to close its doors potentially permanently. And as Julie Nolan explains, it's not because of a lack of support or money, but the lack of a kitchen and bathroom. It's the end of an era for the Chilliwack flea market. I have people that have come to this market longer than I've been here, and I've been here 27 years. Due to a change in terms with a new contract with the operator of the building, the flea market has to pack up. Key issues included no more use of the kitchen and storage areas for vendors or the bathroom for the public. This market is imperative, and that's the only word I can use to describe it to this community. For 42 years, the market has welcomed everyone and everything in the community every Sunday. It's become kind of a mainstay for the citizens of Chilliwack and a mainstay for the vendors here to, you know, to provide that little bit of extra income. And during tough economic times, it's a range of excellent deals. It's definitely geared to people that can't shop at the big box stores and and stuff. And we have such a range of, of stuff here. Plus, it's also a place to find hard-to-find items. It's nice to go out and find little knickknacks. For instance, we're looking for cassette tapes, so, but we haven't seen any yet. But, you know, it's, it's those things that you can't just go into a store and buy anymore. Market manager says the closure is bittersweet. With a recent cancer diagnosis, Sharon McClay is heartbroken by the recent turn of events. We're a huge family here. Like, we are a huge family here. And for me... I'm sorry, for me, this is the hardest part, is that I'm going to lose my market family. The operator of the building, the 147 Airwolf Air Cadets Parent Society, says by email they needed to be fiscally prudent, and this was not the desired outcome they wanted to see. Meanwhile, the manager of the market, along with some of the vendors, will try to keep it alive. 
and find another venue in the coming weeks. Julie Nolan, Global News. And last-ditch efforts are underway to save a much-loved Vancouver summer festival that's set to fade into the sunset. Members of the Vancouver Folk Music Festival Society are set to vote next week on whether to dissolve permanently an organization that has been around for nearly 45 years. They say rising costs have made the annual event on Jericho Beach unsustainable. But a group of fans have created a Facebook page to rally support and they're hoping at least some support will come in financial form from government. It is not just about housing. It is not just about food. We need to feed our souls as well. And the government really needs to start treating the arts and culture sector like other sectors that they fund. The Festival Society says it would need another $500,000 to make a folk music festival happen this summer. Coming up, the latest on the Lunar New Year tragedy in California. This is a time to be with family, to celebrate, and yet this pour a hole through all of our hearts. At least 10 people are dead and more injured as a gunman opens fire on a celebration, the latest from Monterey Park. That's after the break. The lone suspect in the latest mass shooting to rock the United States is dead. That confirmation coming from California officials about an hour ago as Monterey Park reels from a Lunar New Year tragedy. At least 10 people killed and as many others injured when gunfire erupted at a ballroom dance studio outside Los Angeles. Jennifer Johnson reports. Additional units requested multiple victims, gunshot wounds. A celebration turned into a nightmare after a gunman opened fire inside a crowded ballroom dance studio in Monterey Park. Witnesses say the suspect, described as an Asian male, pulled out a gun and began shooting wildly. He reportedly fled in a white van. Several hours later, a police SWAT team pulled over a similar looking vehicle about 45 kilometers away. The driver was found inside dead. There is a tactical incident uh, that's occurring in the city of Torrance uh, that are, is being covered. Uh, people have asked, uh, is that your suspect? Uh, we don't know. Police and the FBI are investigating whether this was a hate crime. The community is home to mostly Asian immigrants or first-generation Asian Americans. Last night's celebration was part of a two-day Lunar New Year event that has attracted up to 100,000 people to this small city in previous years. Many outside the club first mistook the gunfire for fireworks. It's very surprising, shocking to hear that something like this went on in not only a small city, but my city. Like you never think it would happen. Investigators are looking into whether a man who pulled out a gun at another ballroom studio later Saturday night in nearby Alhambra is connected to this case. Patrons apparently wrestled that man to the ground, but he got away. Local residents and leaders are devastated. This is a time to be with family, to celebrate, and yet this tore uh, a hole through all of our hearts. This tragedy is the fifth mass murder shooting in the U.S. this year and is the deadliest since May 2022, when 21 people were killed in a school in Uvalde, Texas. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington.
Buckingham Palace has announced its plans for King Charles III's coronation. The official coronation date has been set for May 6th. Charles and wife Camilla will arrive at Westminster Abbey and take part in a procession from Buckingham Palace. The day will be concluded with royal family members making a public appearance, though it is unclear exactly who that will include. Coming up, Barry and Yvonne join us with a look at sports and weather, plus playing it forward. The Ukrainian musician rocking out and raising money for their war-torn home country. That's after the break. Stay with us. Join the new Global BC Arts and Culture Scene segment as we explore all the people and places that make our creative community so special. So come make the scene. The Global BC Arts and Culture Scene on Global BC and BC One. Welcome back. It was the perfect day for a parade today. The rain held off for Lunar New Year celebrations. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with a look at the full forecast, Yvonne. Yes, thank you so much, Sarah, and happy Lunar New Year for everybody celebrating. Uh, nice break through the day today. We've got a bit of drizzle that is on the way, and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. We are going to track a bit more cloud cover that will start to roll in overnight tonight, most areas along the southern half of the province. The bulk of the moisture, however, will be along the north and central coast. We are going to see that rain pick up heavy at times with very very windy conditions. Chilly temperatures, cold air is starting to settle across the province with Lytton at the freezing mark. Current temperature for Kelowna, most areas into the southern interior overnight tonight and the wind chill for the morning hours will be into the minus teens. Uh, Vancouver currently sitting at around four degrees and then overnight tonight will be down to two. We are going to see a chance of showers leading in towards the morning through the day tomorrow. A bit of drizzle in the mix. A few breaks will be in there. It'll be a touch cooler. Temperatures just up to four. The average for this time of the year sits at seven degrees. But for back to work and school, we'll see the chance for some drizzle, light precipitation. Along the mountain passes, a few areas of note will be along the Coquihalla this evening. Very gusty winds. Through the day tomorrow, we could still see up to two centimeters of snowfall and accumulating snowfall along the Rogers Pass between four and up to six centimeters. Here's the next weather maker that is sliding in for the southern half of the province. We'll see that chance for some showers. Bulk of the rainfall, though, very windy conditions could pick up through the day with gusts between 70 and up to 80 kilometers per hour for both the north and central coast and overnight and in towards tomorrow morning we could still see some wet flurries it'll be cold enough showers for both are monday and tuesday an ice break on the way we've got some sunshine both wednesday and thursday so far looks to be the gem out of the forecast the northern half of the province so we are going to see very windy conditions picking up continuing through the day for the morning hours we could be up to 80 and then through the afternoon diminishing but closer between 30 and up to 40 kilometers per hour wet flurries for the central interior we do have some snowfall for the southern half up to two centimeters and then a clearing, it'll dry out through the afternoon. So do keep that in mind if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Along the island, we are going to see a few showers in the mix. It's higher elevations that could see that rain mixed with snow and wet flurries for eastern areas and extending into the lower mainland or for the Fraser Valley. Our five-day forecast, so we will see some drizzle, a bit more cloud cover for back to work and school. Tuesday will be similar, but then Sarah, it looks like it rebounds Wednesday, Thursday, pleasant with the sunshine highs between 5 and 7 degrees. Okay, Wednesday looking good. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. A rock musician from Ukraine is touring across Canada to raise funds for his war-torn home country. And as Jaden Wozni reports, this weekend he brought the beat to Kelowna. For 35 years, Oleg Skrypka has been rocking out on stages in Ukraine. For some Ukrainians now living in Kelowna, getting the chance to see him perform here on Saturday night was priceless. 
That's one of my favorite Ukrainian musicians. He is the founder of Ukrainian rock style. The longtime musician is without question well known back home, but he decided to bring his talents to Canada as part of his big Canadian tour. Historically, there are a lot of Ukrainians here. Uh, but not only this, Canada, I, I think it's the best, uh, best friend uh, of, of Ukrainian people because we, we have uh, a lot of, a lot of helpness from, from here, supporting, uh, supporting and This isn't the first time Skrypka has toured in Canada, but what makes this tour stand out is the purpose behind it. Each ticket purchased, as well as funds raised from a live auction in each city of the tour, is going towards helping Ukraine defend their country from Russian attacks. We are supporting a project from a Ukrainian fund in Toronto called Second Front Ukraine Foundation. So they are raising funds for drones for the army and all proceeds from this tour are going to go towards the initiative. The first stop of the tour was Vancouver, where roughly 500 people came out to support the people of Ukraine, raising over $10,000. We are inviting all people, uh, regardless they're Ukrainian or not. We are doing our promotion in English, so we think that music doesn't have language and we hope that people will like it. The tour, featuring 11 stops in Canada, wraps up in Toronto on February 4th. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Kelowna. What a great idea. That looks like fun, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Barry's back. Yeah. Uh, I mean... It's a big day for you, Barry. <laughs> big day for you, Barry. So but... The last couple of Sundays have been kind of big. <laughs> a big uh, day for Bruce as well. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I think finally, you know, he... It, it was time that they, mm -hmm. they cut him loose. I, I don't know why it took so long. Uh, Jim Rutherford basically apologized for it and said maybe it took on a life of its own that they didn't realize mm -hmm. it would be that much. But... You know, how much, you know, how much is the fan base uh, going to forgive them for that? Bruce is such a likable guy. I know it's a business. It's, you know, it's all about winning. It's million-dollar players, et cetera, et cetera. But that guy brought a kind of a human aspect to this that we have not seen from, from coaches in pro sports maybe ever. And so that's why he's so popular. So we'll see if uh, Rick Tockett can make the fans forget about him. Uh, and it comes to how he does on the ice. And mm -hmm. we'll hear from Rick Tockett and what you might expect from him coming up. Okay. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Yvonne. We'll see you guys both soon. Next on the News Hour, talk about a true team player. 100 whistles sold very quickly, so we ended up buying 200 more and then eventually 400 more. The cancer fundraising campaign rooted in compassion and impossible to miss on the court. That's after the break. Stay with us. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. Welcome back. We'll talk about a team player. The man you're about to meet in tonight's This Is BC took a personal tragedy and turned it into a fundraising mission that's hard to miss on the hard court. Here's Jay Durant. Here goes. New hot pink referee shirts to add a little pop to a long-running campaign. You run faster with these things. <laughs> How are you? Now in its 14th year, Karn Dillon's Pink Whistle Legacy Fund has raised over $160,000. Have fun, man. You had to rub your eyes. Had to go, What's going on here? One by one, he's been selling whistles to raise money for the BC Cancer Foundation. Got to grab. 100 whistles sold very quickly. Um, so we ended up buying 200 more and then eventually 400 more. 
And uh, to this date, we've had over 1,800 pink whistles. Dylan has lost three people he was close with to cancer. A fellow referee and his nephew Jeevan and sister Amanjit, who were both diagnosed within a year of each other in 2008. That's when he knew he had to do something. When I said to her that I'm, I'm buying 100 whistles and we're going to wear pink whistles, and she looked at me in disbelief. She goes, you're doing that for me? Now more than 600 referees around the province wear the whistles. Since that first box arrived, the campaign has grown and united the BC basketball community. So many people showing their support for the fight against cancer. My husband passed away six years ago for cancer. He was a basketball player actually here at Vancouver College, but he also played basketball at uh, UBC. Good to see you, Karn. Good to see you. I don't think there is anybody who hasn't been touched by cancer, so it is one thing that we can all kind of come together on besides basketball. Blue one, pushing the back. Back in the day, he spent his time hitting up uh, coaches, giving them technical fouls. Now he hits us up for donations. So he's bringing all of us together one way or the other. I like your shirt. You know what it's oh, all yeah, about. Yeah. Dylan's hoping the new design is a huge hit because there are big expectations this year. The one number that's staring at us is going over the $200,000 mark. The three people that encouraged me to, to try to do something I know they're looking down us today. If we can do a, a dollar at a time, two dollars at a time, um, I think we're doing good. Wait! Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone with a great story to tell or something unique to BC that we need to hear about, send your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Coming up, more on the fallout of what many call an offside ouster. I had to stay out there and just look at the crowd and just try to say, okay, remember this moment. The Canucks head coach unceremoniously cut from the franchise. Barry is back with more on Bruce Boudreaux's firing and full sports highlights after the break. The Harlem Globetrotters are coming back to town. Don't miss them on the world tour as they bring their ankle-breaking moves, outrageous athleticism, and a hilariously good time to audiences. Tickets at harlemglobetrotters.com. Head to the Okanagan and be part of the 63rd annual Vernon Winter Carnival, February 3rd through 12th. The tradition continues with another year of fun family events and community pride, including a parade, snow sculptures, and more. VernonWinterCarnival.com for tips to plan your trip. For Our BC, I'm Michael Nimmons. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day is on February 22nd. Get your pink shirt merchandise now at London Drugs. Welcome back, and Barry's back with the big news mm -hmm. of the day, sports-wise at least. That's right, yeah. Bruce doing some calculating in mm -hmm. my 25 years here. I believe this is head coach number nine wow. that I've uh, cycled through. So. And two at least in very quick succession yeah, over the yeah, past yeah, few months. Yes, yeah. it's uh, been that way for sure. Thanks, Sarah. We found out the past two weeks that the Canucks' ability to keep a secret is about as good as their penalty kill. Not that great. Today, after weeks of speculation, the Canucks finally fired Bruce Boudreau and replaced him with Rick Tockett. Now, this was supposed to go down Monday, according to speculation, but the Canucks pushed it up a day to Sunday, so maybe they're not as predictable as we think. But bottom line, Bruce is out, Tockett is in, and he's the guy now in charge of getting this talented yet underachieving group back on the right track. Squire Barnes has more on the new head coach. I don't like river hockey. You can't win river hockey. And that statement alone is music to the ears of Canucks management, who felt Bruce Boudreaux's team was too wide open. Now, as lovable as Boudreaux was, 
The Canucks did allow a lot of high danger chances and a lot of power play goals. You guys see it? I mean, PK is like, what is it, 30? I don't even know, is it 32 or something? And the goals against, that's something that we're going to, we have to tackle. You can't win this game if you're going to be at the bottom of those categories. And with, with that, there is structure. There is some hard rules uh, to keep the puck out of your net. So you can expect some personnel changes on the penalty kill for starters. Less Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes out there while the Canucks are a man short. I, I'm not sure you, in today's game, if you want to win, you can play 24 minutes, penalty kill, power play, five on five, six on five. I mean, I think what happens, you get in the habit of pacing yourself. You know, I, I'm, I mean, listen, we got to get some other guys penalty kill. I mean, I'm going to be straight up, honestly. You, you, I can't keep rolling those guys out. In many ways, Talkett approaches coaching the game like his old friend Travis Green, who, of course, didn't get this Canucks core group to win consistently either. Talkett was a head coach in Tampa and Arizona, and he had a below 500 record. Now, he did have a lot more success as an assistant coach with Pittsburgh, where he won two Stanley Cups and also made friends with Rutherford and Alvin. There's, there's some good pieces here. Got some uh, some really elite players. Got some role players that I think that uh, can do a bit more, and we can get them in the lineup uh, playing a little bit more. I think that's going to help. Um, but overall, I'm just excited to be here. I know you guys got some questions, but I'm really excited to be in this city. All right, it remains to be seen how the Canucks fan base responds to Rick Tockett as the new head coach. We know they love Bruce, even though he only coached 102 games here. He may be one of the most popular Canucks coaches ever. He's so real and genuine, and that was on full display last night after coaching his final game here in Vancouver. You never know if it's the end. So when you've been in it for almost 50 years, I mean majority of your life and if it's the end it's you know just I had to stay out there and just look at the crowd and just try to say okay remember this moment type thing it's uh, different uh, when you get a chance to say goodbye to the players and they're emotional and I'm emotional and uh, it'll obviously be a you know something that stays with me for for my whole life and I mean uh, you know, I've had uh, a couple people like me in the in the past, but not the way the fans have been treated me. It's just city's amazing. Uh, the one thing I'll say is I don't think there's anybody that loves the game more than me and will miss the game when I'm out of it. And I hope I never get out of it. I mean, I own a junior team. I might have to fire my kid and coach there for the rest <laughs> of the year. I mean, I don't know the reasoning why I'm still here. But maybe it's because the next games are Chicago, Seattle, and Columbus. But uh, uh, I just wanted to savor looking at the stands because who knows if I'm ever going to get this chance again. And uh, and just keep that in, the, in my mind and the memory, you know, and let it burn there forever. And um, I was looking across trying to find my wife to see what she was doing. And that's why everyone loves Bruce Boudreaux. Rick Tockett runs his first full practice tomorrow with his two new assistants, Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar. Those three all played in the same era, 80s and 90s. Mike Yo and Jason King stay on as assistants from Boudreaux's staff. Canucks then play three games in four days, home to Chicago, at Seattle, then home to Columbus on Friday. And then they get a nine-day break that includes the All-Star game. So we will see where this goes. Rutherford's got his guy in place now, and now it's up to them to see if they can turn 
this team around, but maybe next year. It makes no sense not to finish near the bottom of the league this year and take a shot at the draft lottery in a very strong draft this June. All right, let's talk some golf now. Final round of the LPGA Tournament of Champions from Orlando, where Canada's Brooke Henderson trying to go wire to wire. Started the day with a three-shot lead on the ninth. Brooke rolls in the birdie putt. She's got a four-shot lead at the turn. That's a pretty good lead, and she did a good job of just managing her game on the back nine. On the 15th, after some pars, another par five, she rolls in another birdie. That gets her to 16 under, still up uh, by four with three to play, and she took it home from there, seals the deal with a par at 18, and Brooke Henderson wins her 13th event on the LPGA Tour, adds to her totals as the winningest golfer in Canadian history, and she's only 25. You know, it is so exciting. I always try to win a couple times each year, so to get one right away, right out of the gate, uh, you know, takes a little bit of pressure off, and, you know, I just love playing out here on the LPJ Tour against the best in the world every week, and it's exciting to be in contention, and it's even more exciting to hoist uh, trophies. Final round of the American Express from Palm Springs. John Rahm was tied for the lead with American Davis Thompson when the day began, but the big Spaniard took the lead for good on 16 with the birdie putt, finished at 27 under. A one-shot victory for his second win in three events in 2023, also one in Hawaii. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford tied 18th, seven shots back at 20 under. NFL playoffs from snowy Buffalo Bills and Bengals. Cincinnati and Joe Burrow came out with purpose in this one. Feeling a bit disrespected with all the attention on Buffalo and the Chiefs. Even minus three offensive line starters, the Bengals looked so good. Jamar Chase with the catch, takes it in, 28-yard touchdown. Bengals led 7-0 after their first possession. And then the second time they had the ball, they score again. Burrow to Hayden Hurst for 15 yards wide open. 14-0 Bengals, and they went on to win it 27-10. So they advance to the AFC Championship next week in Kansas City. Now in the NFC, Cowboys and 49ers from San Francisco, where rookie quarterback Brock Purdy is yet to lose a perfect 6-0. But Dak Prescott and the Cowboys get the first touchdown of the game. Prescott to Dalton Schultz. He's in. Now, Cowboys kicker Brett Maher, who used to play in the CFL, missed four extra points last week. That's an NFL record. It didn't cost them against Tampa. His first attempt today, do you believe, blocked. So that's a problem. 6-3 Cowboys. But Maher did hit a couple of field goals later on in the game. It was tied at nine when Birdie, Purdy rather, will hit George Kittle, who makes an amazing juggling catch. How did he hang on to that one? But it led to San Francisco's only touchdown of the game, Christian McCaffrey. What a pickup he was midseason. And that was the difference. That one has just gone final as the 49ers win it 19-12. They'll take on the Eagles in the NFC Championship next Sunday. Nice. That is it for sports. And the Canucks have an 11.45 a.m. practice at Rogers tomorrow. Okay. And Rick Tockett will have the whistle, and we'll be there. Should be interesting. Yeah. And we will see you later tonight. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good. Coming up, it's all about just getting out there. We'll explain after the break. The Harlem Globetrotters are coming back to town. Don't miss them on the world tour as they bring their ankle-breaking moves, outrageous athleticism, and a hilariously good time to audiences. Tickets at HarlemGlobetrotters.com. Head to the Okanagan and be part of the 63rd annual Vernon Winter Carnival, February 3rd through 12th. The tradition continues with another year of fun family events and community pride, including a parade, snow sculptures, and more. VernonWinterCarnival.com for tips to plan your trip. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman.
Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day is on February 22nd. Get your pink shirt merchandise now at London Drugs. Welcome back, and Barry's back with the big news mm -hmm. of the day, sports-wise at least. That's right, yeah. Bruce Pedro. Doing some calculating in mm -hmm. my 25 years here. I believe this is head coach number nine wow. that I've uh, cycled through. So. And two at least in very quick succession yeah, over the past yeah, yeah, few months. Yes, yeah. it's uh, been that way for sure. Thanks, Sarah. We found out the past two weeks that the Canucks' ability to keep a secret is about as good as their penalty kill. Not that great. Today, after weeks of speculation, the Canucks finally fired Bruce Boudreaux and replaced him with Rick Tockett. Now, this was supposed to go down Monday, according to speculation, but the Canucks pushed it up a day to Sunday, so maybe they're not as predictable as we think. But bottom line, Bruce is out, Tockett is in, and he's the guy now in charge of getting this talented yet underachieving group back on the right track. Squire Barnes has more on the new head coach. I don't like river hockey. You can't win river hockey. And that statement alone is music to the ears of Canucks management, who felt Bruce Boudreaux's team was too wide open. Now, as lovable as Boudreaux was, the Canucks did allow a lot of high danger chances and a lot of power play goals. You guys see it? I mean, PK is like, what is it, 30? I don't even know, is it 32 or something? And the goals against, that's something that we're going to, we have to tackle. You can't win this game if you're going to be at the bottom of those categories. And with, with that, there is structure. There is some hard rules uh, to keep the puck out of your net. So you can expect some personnel changes on the penalty kill for starters. Less Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes out there while the Canucks are a man short. I, I'm not sure you, in today's game, if you want to win, you can play 24 minutes penalty kill power play, five on five, six on five. I mean. I think what happens, you get in the habit of pacing yourself. You know, I, I'm, I mean, listen, we got to get some other guys penalty kill. I mean, I'm going to be straight up, honestly. You, you know, I can't keep rolling those guys out. In many ways, Tockett approaches coaching the game like his old friend Travis Green, who, of course, didn't get this Canucks core group to win consistently either. Tockett was a head coach in Tampa and Arizona, and he had a below 500 record. Now, he did have a lot more success as an assistant coach with Pittsburgh, where he won two Stanley Cups and also made friends with Rutherford and Alvin. There's, there's some good pieces here. Got some, uh, some really elite players. Got some role players that I think that uh, can do a bit more and we can get them in the lineup uh, playing a little bit more. I think that's going to help. Um, but overall, I'm just excited to be here. I know you guys got some questions, but I'm really excited to be in this city. All right, it remains to be seen how the Canucks fan base responds to Rick Tockett as the new head coach. We know they love Bruce, even though he only coached 102 games here. He may be one of the most popular Canucks coaches ever. He's so real and genuine, and that was on full display last night after coaching his final game here in Vancouver. You never know if it's the end. So when you've been in it for almost 50 years, I mean... The majority of your life and if it's the end it's you know just I had to stay out there and just look at the crowd and just try to say okay remember this moment type thing it's uh, different uh, when you get a chance to say goodbye to the players and they're emotional and I'm emotional and uh, it'll obviously be a you know something that stays with me for for my whole life and I mean uh, you know, I've had uh, a couple people like me in the in the past, but not the way the fans have been treated me. It's just city's amazing.
the one thing I'll say is I don't think there's anybody that loves the game more than me and will miss the game when I'm out of it. And I hope I never get out of it. I mean, I own a junior team. I might have to fire my kid and coach there for the rest <laughs> of the year. I mean, I don't know the reasoning why I'm still here. But maybe it's because <laughs> the next games are Chicago, Seattle, and Columbus. But uh, uh, I just wanted to savor looking at the stands because who knows if I'm ever going to get this chance again. And, uh, and just keep that in, the, in my mind and the memory, you know, and let it burn there forever. And um, I was looking across trying to find my wife to see what she was doing. And that's why everyone loves Bruce Boudreaux. Rick Tockett runs his first full practice tomorrow with his two new assistants, Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar. Those three all played in the same era, 80s and 90s. Mike Yo and Jason King stay on as assistants from Boudreaux's staff. Canucks then play three games in four days, home to Chicago, at Seattle, then home to Columbus on Friday. And then they get a nine-day break that includes the All-Star game. So we will see where this goes. Rutherford's got his guy in place now, and now it's up to them to see if they can turn this team around, but maybe next year it makes no sense not to finish near the bottom of the league this year and take a shot at the draft lottery in a very strong draft this June. All right, let's talk some golf now. Final round of the LPGA Tournament of Champions from Orlando, where Canada's Brooke Henderson trying to go wire to wire. Started the day with a three-shot lead on the ninth. Brooke rolls in the birdie putt. She's got a four-shot lead at the turn. That's a pretty good lead, and she did a good job of just managing her game on the back nine. On the 15th, after some pars, another par five, she rolls in another birdie. That gets her to 16 under, still up uh, by four with three to play, and she took it home from there, seals the deal with a par at 18, and Brooke Henderson wins her 13th event on the LPGA Tour, adds to her totals as the winningest golfer in Canadian history, and she's only 25. You know, it is so exciting. I always try to win a couple times each year, so to get one right away, right out of the gate, uh, you know, takes a little bit of pressure off, and, you know, I just love playing out here on the LPGA Tour against the best in the world every week, and it's exciting to be in contention, and it's even more exciting to hoist uh, trophies. Final round of the American Express from Palm Springs. John Rahm was tied for the lead with American Davis Thompson when the day began, but the big Spaniard took the lead for good on 16 with the birdie putt, finished at 27 under. A one-shot victory for his second win in three events in 2023, also won in Hawaii. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford tied 18th, seven shots back at 20 under. NFL playoffs from snowy Buffalo Bills and Bengals. Cincinnati and Joe Burrow came out with purpose in this one. Feeling a bit disrespected with all the attention on Buffalo and the Chiefs. Even minus three offensive line starters, the Bengals looked so good. Jamar Chase with the catch, takes it in, 28-yard touchdown. Bengals led 7-0 after their first possession. And then the second time they had the ball, they score again. Burrow to Hayden Hurst for 15 yards wide open. 14-0 Bengals, and they went on to win it 27-10. So they advance to the AFC Championship next week in Kansas City. Now in the NFC, Cowboys and 49ers from San Francisco, where rookie quarterback Brock Purdy is yet to lose a perfect 6-0. But Dak Prescott and the Cowboys get the first touchdown of the game. Prescott to Dalton Schultz. He's in. Now, Cowboys kicker Brett Maher, who used to play in the CFL, missed four extra points last week. That's an NFL record. It didn't cost them against Tampa. His first attempt today, do you believe, blocked. So that's a problem. 6-3 Cowboys. But Maher did hit a couple of field goals later on in the game. It was tied at nine when Birdie, Purdy rather, will hit George Kittle, who makes an amazing juggling catch. How did he hang on to that one? 
but it led to San Francisco's only touchdown of the game, Christian McCaffrey. What a pickup he was midseason, and that was the difference. That one has just gone final as the 49ers win it 19-12. They'll take on the Eagles in the NFC Championship next Sunday. Nice. That is it for sports, and the Canucks have an 11.45 a.m. practice at Rogers tomorrow, okay. and Rick Tockett will have the whistle, and we'll be there. Should be interesting, yeah. and we will see you later tonight. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good. Coming up, it's all about just getting out there. We'll explain after the break. Welcome back. Well, it turns out you can race in pretty much anything. It's all about just getting out there. Here's Sydney Morton with a look at a very unique tradition in Lumbee. deceiving you. This is exactly what you think it is. People are racing in homemade outhouses towards a finish line in front of a cheering crowd. Where else have you heard of an outhouse race? So it's a unique event. It's something to do in the middle of winter, the middle of January. What better thing to do than to get out of the house and watch people race outhouses on the snow. For the second year in a row, participants accepted the challenge to build an aerodynamic outhouse to raise funds for a good cause. The 10 teams of three are tasked not only to be the fastest, but also to tap into their creativity and build the most unique three-sided outhouse. Great community event. Uh, we got challenged by the fire department actually, and we thought it would be great to challenge them and come out and show support. And well, we already designed it nice and light. Uh, we've been chasing some bad guys, so we've been working on our cardio, and uh, that's our strategy out there. We've got a couple entries in here today, and uh, I'm helping crew one of them. We've got our style, we've got some uh, good uh, strength to the, the outhouse, and I think we kept it nice and aerodynamic, so we're hoping that'll be the winning combination today. In the end, neither the RCMP nor the firefighters were fast enough to capture the golden plunger. Sydney Morton, Global News, Lumbee. Okay, that actually looks like so much fun. It's a thing. Isn't that like the second outhouse race story we've had in a week? We've had a couple Do they call of that these. runs? Do they call those runs when they go for a run? We had one last weekend, too. We actually were saying we had to make sure it wasn't the same yeah. outhouse race. Yeah, we'll have thing. it next week. Which no, is apparently no. a thing. Okay, quick look at weather, Yvonne, before we go. We have a chance of showers overnight. Uh, Monday morning for back to work and school, we're looking at a slight chance for some showers or drizzle. It'll be light precipitation. Do keep that in mind, though. It's a bit chilly or dipping down to two, so bundle up. And then on Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're always looking for the bright spots. We've got some sun balls in the mix as well. It sounds good. Before we go tonight, guys, I have something to tell you, <laughs> which is likely not going to come as a shock to a lot of our viewers as well. A new member of the Global BC family is coming in May. Um, so I just wanted to let everybody know this is my toddler. She's not sure about how she feels about it yet, but we're getting used to the idea of another little one coming. So. Um, you're both stuck with me for a few more months. I knew it. I knew it. Of course, you told me <laughs> a few months ago, so I did Barry. know. Yes. I had a feeling. Barry had a feeling before I did. I just was like, oh, you weren't feeling great. All right. But we're very excited for you yes. and baby heart yes, as well. Congratulations. And we're excited to have some to, to grow our family here, too. Yeah. And on that note, as you said, I really want to thank our colleagues. Uh, there was a few weeks there when... I was off sick, and I really want to thank everyone for filling in. So, <laughs> anyways, as you both know, part of the deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we leave you tonight with the sights and sounds of Lunar New Year festivities as we welcome the year of the rabbit. Thank you for sharing part of your evening with us. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock tonight. Happy Lunar New Year. Gongay fa choy. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.
恭喜恭喜恭喜发财，新年快乐！